Ready for a sensitive topic today? <laughs> there was a health app released to kids recently that had caused an absolute uproar. My Instagram is blowing up with posts and comments such as, I started crying at the gym last week after releasing some pent-up anger over this app. The announcement made me angry and heartbroken for another generation of children being handed the rules of dieting for a company's profit. Handing a child a weight loss app or telling a child that they need to go on a diet tells them that they can't trust their own appetite, desires, and internal signals. Dieting is not a family activity. Children should be growing, playing, learning, not shrinking their bodies. Employed marketing tactics to attract kids. Things kids don't need in their life. Drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, a food tracking app. And the list of comments and blog posts and worry and anger goes on and on and on. So today, I bring you a dietitian with 19 years experience at Children's Hospital who is going to walk us through all sorts of hard questions. And not only questions related to the app release, but also topics such as size stigma. Are size and health as equated as we think they are? Should thin and overweight children have the same health goals? Instead of following the hype, let's ask the expert. Stay tuned. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me. I am your host, Lindsay House, registered dietitian, private trainer, accountability coach, author. I have been working with clients for over 13 years, passionately changing the culture of health and fitness. I'm out here smashing scales, helping individuals rewrite the rules to what success looks like in their life. I want to change generational thinking, no more all or nothing mentality, get rid of the diets and believe in the individualized journey. We are stronger than we will ever accept and beautifully made just the way we are. Keep your eyes on your own paper and trust your own path. Thank you for trusting me and letting me be a constant encouragement through your week. Let's get this motivation started. Welcome to your podcast, Direction, Not Perfection. Happy Podcast Friday. Welcome to episode 33, Hooked on Diet Culture at an Early Age. In case you don't follow as many people as I do in the health and fitness industry, maybe you haven't heard yet, but my Instagram and Facebook were blowing up with irate, saddened, frustrated thoughts on the new WW, or formerly Weight Watchers app, for children ages 8 to 17, and the app's name is Kerbo. I think there can be shock on both sides, as I mentioned the uproar, those agreeing with the intensity of the topic, and then those who say, calm down, why is this such a big deal? I'm not normally one to stir the pot, and even when Amy Reed, pediatric dietitian, had reached out to talk on the topic, we both wanted to come at this as an opportunity to put some sound professional advice in your ear with resources that could be useful around any topic involving children's health. So it is more than just talking about the app, um, but we, we wanted to address it and get ahead of it. Uh, I'm putting blog articles in my show notes from multiple dietitians for future reading for you and advice from professionals that are living in the field. As always, feel free to reach out if you are in need of resources or referrals. I love connecting individuals and supporting the exhausting process of getting right, getting you in the right hands. So you are not alone in your worries or need for support, and you need to know that. There are amazing professionals who are ready to team up and and get questions answered and help guide you and your child or children through the health journey that's right for them. 
So reach out. That's all you need to do. And I promise I can I can be of help. Um, as we head into the interview, we will cover more than the release of the Kerbo app. Like I was saying, we will also address the dangers of getting hooked on diet culture at an early age, size stigma with children, what are safe ways to talk about health and fitness with kids, and just so much more. So really, without further ado, I welcome pediatric dietitian of over 19 years, Amy Reed. All right. Hi, Amy. Hello, Lindsay. <laughs> uh, before we get started, can you provide, I need your credentials and your background again in pediatrics. So as we approach what I feel like is kind of a sensitive topic mm-hmm. today, that our listeners can really feel confident that this is professional and sound advice. We need, I just feel like we need like some early trust right now <laughs> you in this conversation. So um, I always feel like anytime it's with kids, with and this mm-hmm. is kind of tween and teen talk, mm-hmm. It's sensitive, and parents yeah. are sensitive. So fill us in on you. On my background? I, I, we need your background. So yeah. I have been a pediatric dietitian for my entire career. Um, Which so, is amazing. Um, I uh, knew I wanted to do it. I did a pediatric nutrition fellowship, and my first job was at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. I worked there for 18 years and have been um, left there in 2017, and I now work uh, a few hours, 12 hours a week for Northeast Cincinnati Pediatrics as yes. their dietitian, and then have a private practice. So, yes. um, I'm also a certified specialist in pediatrics through the Commission on Dietetic Registration, which means every five years I have to take a board exam okay. to say that I'm, I'm competent to yes. be a, to call myself a pediatric dietitian. Yes, and um, I've also done the childhood uh, weight management certification through okay. the Commission on Dietetic Registration. So yes, yes. and again, <laughs> and you're still practicing. You've yes. been practicing, still practicing. Mm-hmm. You see real life situations, yes. real clients. Mm-hmm. So our topic for today, we have deemed hooked on diet culture <laughs> at early ages. <laughs> And so one of the first things that you had written as we were talking about this, and I love this, why thin kids and overweight kids really should all have the same health goals, where I, I, you elaborate on that. Well, I think a lot of times, in the past 20 years, we have really um, coned in on the size of people. I Mm -hmm. mean, we call it an obesity epidemic. I mean, we call things like Ebola an epidemic. It it scares people. So it's got made us think that the size is equated with health. And I can just say from my 20 years of experience, I see kids all the time that someone may look at and not think they're unhealthy, but they are. Right. You know, they may be considered underweight and they're not healthy. Right. And then I see kids that some may consider to be overweight that I feel are, are very healthy. healthy. Yes. Um, that's why I think you can't just look at somebody's size and decide that they need help from a dietitian. Right. Right. Well, okay. And one of the other things that I was seeing, like when parents kind of pull out one kid in the family mm-hmm. and feel like they need to give them different health mm-hmm. goals because they are the one that visually mm-hmm. looks a little overweight. Mm-hmm. Talk on that for a second. So, and that's a lot of times I'll hear that from families. I'll be working with them and they'll be like, well, you see, I don't like to keep cookies and things like that in the house, but I have another child that's not as big. And so I don't want to limit that from them. Yes. And part, some of the time I think it's, Parents don't realize that maybe the child that they seen as underweight really is fine. Right. They've maybe always followed their own growth curve. Mm-hmm. So there's really nothing to worry about. 
And each child, even though they might come from the same set of parents, still has a different genetic makeup. Right. And they're growing how they're supposed to grow individually. You can't compare siblings a lot to each other a lot of times. Uh, And so... And I would say that even though that child you may not deem to be as big, they still should not have a steady diet of potato chips and ho-hos just to get calories into them. Sure. Like, you can offer everybody the same food Mm -hmm. and teach healthy eating to everybody. Right. And and it can be a very negative thing mm-hmm. for the kid if they feel like they're getting yes. picked out, right? Yes. yes. And the and I've had kids tell me, you know, I I feel like I'm not pleasing my parents. That's where that comes. Mm. They feel like the thinner child is oh. the favorite and they oh. feel like they're disappointing their parents. They've said Every time I go to get weighed, I see the disappointment in my oh, parents' face. Oh my gosh, face. I'm going to cry. So, I mean, it's, it's a real thing for kids to experience if they feel they're being singled out because yes. of their size. Oh my gosh. Let's talk size stigma for a yeah. second. Is that all one of the same here? Or oh yeah, I think it is. Like when somebody reads size stigma in the news or in mm-hmm. a resource, that's what size stigma means? Yes. Yes, it means that you're kind of judging somebody before getting to know them based on their size alone. You're judging the fact that they must make unhealthy choices, that they must never exercise, that um, in children, a lot of times they go to judging the parents. Well, those parents Mm. must not know how to control things at home or they must not know what they're doing. Right. And so it's not just size stigma for the kid, but then it's size stigma for the parents and the parents start to internalize that and Mm -hmm. it's... You know, and and then there's some things like even in sports, like I think in certain like peewee football teams, if a child weighs over a certain amount, they're not allowed to play because they don't want to hurt other other kids. Sure. Um, So that's another thing. So um, it's just it's amazing to me because now I have kids mm -hmm. who are in these ages, how young they are when they do notice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I... I think people worry about the eating disorders or the diet mm-hmm. culture, as we're talking about, much later. They're thinking mm-hmm. as a 15, 16-year-old mm-hmm. and up, and the reality is young. Yeah, yeah right? it is. And it's and then we're teaching them young that the thinner you are, the healthier you are. Right. Yes. Rather than... And we're also teaching them that calories are bad. Um, I, I sometimes do talks to young groups and varying ages, and one of the questions I'll ask them is... When I say the word calorie, what do you think? Yeah. And I've had kids as young as six and seven say, oh, they're bad. Calories are bad. And so that's why we as parents need to not comment like, oh, this has too many calories in it. Because that's telling them they're growing children. Right. And I like to refer to calories as energy. Yes. Because it's really the same thing. And when I change that question, I'm like, okay, so you said calories are bad. What do you think of energy? Oh, that's really good. Good. Oh, that's awesome. And then I say, well, that's the same thing. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. I love that. (laughs) Yes. Um, So... With, with the diet culture and early ages, like I feel like you and I are very passionate about the risks or mm-hmm. the consequences of kind of where we're going with this talk and mm-hmm. what we've already talked about with size stigma and whatnot. But like increased risk of extreme dieting behaviors for kids, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things that I was reading is that parental criticism of child's weight can be a problem, mm-hmm. pressure to diet, and then also the parent role modeling of dieting. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk on all of that? Like, because you saw eating disorders coming through, right? Yeah. 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 So do you see a link between diet culture and eating disorders? I, I have. I see sometimes it comes out um, that 
you'll have a child come in and they've still decided to eat really healthy all of a sudden. And a lot of times when you go back to like, okay, when did this start? It'll go back to, well, one of my parents started to go on a diet. I know many years ago when I was in my training, I had a colleague that experienced an eating disorder, um, which is unfortunately, it's a high risk and or high rate in dietetics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of dietitians have there's interest are, in, yeah. are recovered eating disorder patients. And she said the thing that tipped her off was her mom did a weight loss program. Mm-hmm. And she was, her mom measured out all of her food. And so she was like, I just felt like I wasn't, you know, like to have to watch that every day. Yeah. Somebody measuring out their food, someone controlling what you're eating, someone talking about how many calories. It's just, it became to think, Oh, then when I become an adult, mm-hmm. this, this is, is what, what I, I need to do. Mm-hmm. When I become a certain age, I'm going to start worrying about how I look in a bathing suit. I'm going to start worrying about, you know, the calories I'm eating, like right. what I look like in skinny jeans. Like it's, it's a, if we are talking about that in front of our kids, that's what they see adulthood as being. Sure, that whole role modeling mm-hmm. and passing. And it's not on. just yeah. girls. I know a lot of times they think of it with girls. It's boys too. Yes. Because I, I have boys. Yes. You have girls. Yes, <laughs> we're like the perfect union on that of um, what we worry about. <laughs> and I think about it like I don't want my boys to think that that's a behavior they should expect from any woman in their life. They should not grow up thinking, well... Any woman in my life should only eat a salad. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, I don't want them thinking a girl should never eat more than me because what if they end up like having a good friend that's like this major college athlete? Well, she should probably eat more than you. For sure. <laughs> yes. It all depends. Yeah. Right? So. so I'm going to have a lot of fun just throwing stuff at you okay. today <laughs> and letting you talk. Um, so this is from National Eating Disorder Association. And it said, teens who self-report dieting are twice as likely to become overweight as non-dieting teens, regardless of their beginning weight. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any thoughts on that? I mean, besides you believe in that evidence? I do. I do believe that, well, there's a lot of evidence to show, like, if the, er- the earlier you start to diet, yeah. the more likely you're going to be weight cycling. Okay. So... You know, you, you would lose the weight because people think of diet as a temporary thing. Like, I'm going to, a lot of the diets, they were like, oh, do this reset for so many days. Right. You know, so you think of it as a temporary thing, and then you might reach that weight goal. Right. And you feel like, oh. I'm there. I'm there. So I can go back to how I was. Yes. Um, and that starts the cycle of weight cycling, where you may lose 20 pounds, and then you may gain 40, and then you may lose 30, and then gain 60 Right. Back. And there's evidence to show that that is linked to like higher mortality. It's just right. It's linked to that now perpetual diet culture. Yes. So. Yep. Um, okay. Children at the age is targeted. Let's see. What did I have here? No. Um, oh, at children's. Did you screen people for eating disorder risks? Well, when I was there, I did the critical care a lot of the time. Yes. So I wasn't necessarily in a position to screen yes. for eating disorder risk, but. You definitely, we, and we also had a very good eating disorders team there. They still have a very, I mean, a very good eating disorders team. Uh, so you basically, if you see a drastic weight loss in a school-age child or a teenage child, yeah. my thing is you always want to find out how it happened. Yeah. And I think sometimes what gets missed is because we have made such a big deal of the childhood obesity epidemic, yeah. and that's seen as an outcome to lower the BMI, you'll have, you know, well-meaning caregivers or 
practitioners talk to families about it. Yeah. And then they will change some things and they see that weight starting to come down and we cheer for it because it's getting the outcomes that we want. It's getting the outcomes that health insurance companies want to see. But a lot of times we're so excited about that number coming down, we never come back and say, tell me how you did this. Right. And even if the BMI or the weight still looks healthy on a growth chart, if you've lost 20 pounds and how you've lost that 20 pounds is by skipping breakfast, by eating lettuce for lunch and eating just enough dinner to make your parents happy. Yeah. That's not a healthy weight loss. And if no one's asked you how you're doing it, and you go to the doctor and they say, yay, your weight's down, you've just reinforced the culture of starvation to lose weight. Okay, yes. Like you've just made it a positive when it's really a negative and they should be eating more nutritious foods because their body is growing. And every time I get you as an interview, I'm always going to hit this with you because (laughs) I think it's our phase of life right now with kiddos and this... Mm -hmm pre-puberty mm-hmm. or full-blown puberty and can you just circle back for every parent who sees their kid maybe plumping up with mm-hmm. that like walk us through it's okay like this is normal this is it is okay for kids to gain weight as yes. they are growing and going through puberty in yes. fact girls you will see an increase in abdominal fat their body is preparing for what their body needs to do yes their girl for girls their body is preparing to have children someday yeah um and girls gain fat as they're going through puberty boys they will go through it a little bit later yeah they are more likely to gain more muscle mass yeah um but if we restrict kids during their time of growth yes you could Maybe not reach, they may not reach the maximal height that they're supposed to. Um, you know, there's some evidence now to think, well, are you somehow messing, you know, like messing them up? So for girls, maybe they won't have, oh. they, oh. what if it like affects their fertility in the future? Yeah. You know, like, right. So and it, I don't think parents mm-hmm. always think of those mm-hmm. consequences. Like, yeah. it's more than now and like yeah. how you feel about. Yeah. And everybody, like I like to look at it as you have your BMI charts and if a child has always plotted to be like at the 80th, 85th percentile and right. they eat a fairly healthy diet and they are active, yeah. they are health. that is the size they are healthy at. Yes. Um, now it's different if all of a sudden they have a variance from that pattern where they go down or they may go up and it seems sudden, like more than just the normal, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're in trouble. It just may mean we need to look into it a little bit more. Sure. Sometimes what I see, especially with school age kids is, um, I'm going to touch, I know this, I don't know if you want me to go there, but I think, go everywhere. (laughs) I think one of the things that happens with school age kids is, um, sports specialization Mm -hmm. at a young age where kids are pulled out of maybe a recreational sport and pulled into more of a select or more competitive sport. And, and sometimes what that does is it leaves the kids that are left thinking, well, if I'm not good enough to do that, then why bother? So I have seen, like, that's really more when I see weight increases outside of the normal range. When kids stop participating in activities. Interesting. Because they feel they're not competitive enough. Okay. So I think, you know, we can definitely talk about food, but I also think the other thing we need to talk about as parents and society is making sure we are encouraging that activity is fun. Yes. And it's not about 
going to the gym all the time, right. changing your body composition. Right. It's about I having think, fun. Yes. And I think we sometimes lose kids when we make it about competition. And we're we want them to be active, but it's what happens if they're if they go from being in a rec sport where they practice a couple times a week, right. you know, a few seasons out of the year to doing nothing because they feel like they're not good enough. What does that time get replaced with? Right. It's TV usually or... TV, video mm-hmm. games, things like that. So that's something where if you're not looking at where it started, mm-hmm. you could be focusing on the food when really it might go back more to like our activity and looking into like what are creative ways we can get kids to be active. Right. And that's so interesting because mm-hmm. like, because I come from an adult culture mm-hmm. of adult weight mm-hmm. management and that is... Those are the areas I'm always trying to get people to come back to like, what's your fitness personality? Mm-hmm. What did you used to love doing mm-hmm. as a kid? But if it's stripped away that early as a kid and they yeah. can't come back to yeah. a spot of happiness within that, it's really hard as an adult mm-hmm. to all of a sudden find some huge love of... And for some kids, it might be harder to be active. Like if you live in an apartment sure. or depending if your neighborhood is not safe sure. to go yeah. out. Um, but that's where I think, you know, we as a society need to support like rec centers, support recreational programs that yeah. are reasonable for families to do or sometimes even free at a nominal fee. Like we have to make sure we're creating a public environment that supports the health goals that we want right. everyone to have. Sure. All right, have we revved you up enough for so. um, our? We're going to hit a big topic today. Okay. <laughs> There's something going on in the news that um, is getting a lot of heat called Curbo. Yes. And I'm going to let you start. You had reached out to me. Yes. So, um, so Curbo is an app that's run by Weight Watchers. Well, now WW, formerly Weight Watchers. Yes. It was released last week and it is targeted to children ages 8 through 17. And it's a free app and that basically kids as young as eight can track their food intake. They can set goals for weight loss, but it's not like they can also, one of the goals they can pick is to make my parents happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as young as eight, they can pick a goal, like look better in my clothes, uh, if you have kids this age, I feel like what feelings, listeners, is this? No, like I will say they up? can pick a goal of weight maintenance. Um, they can. They can I pick a goal of like having more confidence. Yeah. Um, boost energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they can pick some of the other goals too. And I mean, the the motivation behind it, I believe the app um, I'd read somewhere was created by a parent that felt like she didn't have a lot of resources for her child who she felt was overweight. And so that's why it was created. Which before you had said Mm -hmm. this, and I think this is Mm -hmm. really important, like you had nailed down our profession. Yeah. That kind of shows that we need to make sure we're doing a really good job of offering resources. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think if we as a profession don't necessarily agree with this app, then it's a wake-up call to us to make sure we're coming out. The information we provide are helpful and good resources to parents. When you first were reading about this, what feelings were emerging? Well, um, I was like, a weight loss app for kids. That's interesting. And I saw, I mean, I saw it because there was like this big social media, like I saw like five Instagram posts on it all at once. And I was like, whoa, what's happening? Like I had been, (laughs) I had been like at King's Island for the day. (laughs) And when you got back, (laughs) the world had erupted. What had happened? (laughs) 
And um, so Ugh. I immediately then started to read about it, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. So you can download the app for free. So I did. Yeah. <laughs> so I did. I created a couple of free profiles yeah. and filled it out like based on if it was myself, filled it out based on if it was a child, because I wanted to see like, you know, what, so it's all based on when they track foods, it's based on what they call the stoplight diet, right. which was um, something developed at Stanford University. Yes, it's I been saw studied that. at Stanford University. Now, I will say, I was trying to go back to see when it was developed. I think it was developed maybe in the late 90s, early 2000s. So okay. I think we need, even though, like, I don't feel that that's that long ago, <laughs> it was 20 years ago. Sure, so yeah. things change in the science of nutrition so, and I mean, weight every man- year, I let mean, alone like 20. And so it's based on that. And so I was like, I want to see like what foods I eat come up. And yeah. so um, I, I put in my smoothie that I made that morning for breakfast, yeah. which is soy milk, a banana, um, peanut butter, and some cocoa powder. Okay. Um, soy milk and peanut butter were red foods. Okay. And red foods Red are... foods means stop. Okay. Like stop. And you, you get like a limited it. amount. You per... can get like, depending on what the age and everything is, you might get like six a day. Mm-hmm. Um, yellow foods means slow, slow down, have in moderation, which Portions. I would say an eight-year-old may not know what or what that means. They sure. may not know what moderation means. And then green foods are you can have unlimited of. And really green foods are fruits and vegetables. Right. Which is um, positive. Yeah, yeah. So it, it is positive that they want kids to eat more fruits and vegetables. What I didn't agree with is that it becomes punitive if you eat more of the other stuff. So right. if you like, like three yellow foods became a red food. If you went mm-hmm. over your red food allotment, they started taking red foods away from the other days. So like if you, so like I in my just normal day had like 10 red foods. Mm-hmm. And I was concerned that something like peanut butter and soy milk and like, uh, I think hummus was a red food. So there was like some red foods that I felt had you would, good nutritional value. Right. <laughs> and that you would hate to scare yeah. somebody away and from. I would, and, and when you're talking about a child as young as eight, they think very black and white. Yes. So even if you're saying like caution in the yellow food, that still could be like, oh, this is bad. Right. So they think good foods and bad foods. Yes. And I should only have the good foods and not the bad foods. Fruits and vegetables are great, but yeah. your diet should not only be fruits oh, and vegetables. Sure, right? <laughs> yes, and, we need it all. And the other thing, when I looked it up, a lot of really calcium-rich foods mm-hmm. were red foods. Hmm. At age nine, the calcium needs of a child goes up to 1,300 milligrams. Right. And I know that there are other sources of calcium, like a lot of nuts are good sources of calcium. Sure. Nuts are a red food. So if you're taking most dairy foods out as a red food and saying you're only allowed, to, you know, like right. to have a few X a day, a, yes. Um, and you're taking nuts out and saying they're a red food as well. I mean, you've got like greens like kale and spinach, but I mean, let's be honest, most kids will not meet their calcium needs in kale and spinach alone. Right. So they're not going to eat enough. Yeah. With that, when I looked at it, I felt like the classification was um, based mostly on calories a food provides mm-hmm. and not the nutrients. Yes. So it's to me that meant to me like this app is really more about weight loss than it is about improving nutrition sure. of children. And so I'm going to keep yeah. pointing out the bewares on yeah. this. Like I feel like one beware is, again, nutrients possibly mm-hmm. not being fully met. Mm-hmm. And that I think parents in general, 
we yeah. rarely take the time to sit down and go, you know, how much calcium have yeah. you gotten in a day? Yeah. But those are kind of fun things to review with your kids <laughs> that you're eating a protein right now. Yeah. You're eating yeah. a vegetable. Like just really teaching mm-hmm. the balance of. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was it is really hard to get out the, the words good and bad mm-hmm. and to break that later on in the cycle of adulthood. Mm-hmm. And so to start it at such a young age mm-hmm. is very scary. Yes. Because they will struggle with that their mm-hmm. whole life if mm-hmm. they always view foods as... As something, as the enemy rather than something that's fueling them and giving right. them energy. Going back to the energy yeah. comment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so that's like our number one beware mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. And then the other thing was when we were looking at coaches, the coaches' credentials. So now you're about to let somebody like mm-hmm. come in and speak life into your child mm-hmm. and their their professions were... Uh, communications, political economy, tourism management, business. I was like, what? Wait, what? what? <laughs> I, and then to give credit, there was a um, human physiology, uh, nutrition science was in mm-hmm. there, but that didn't like class. And I mean, the coaching aspect is more. So like the app itself is free. Right. And the coaching aspect, you have to pay more for. It was 69 a yeah. month. Yeah. So $17 a week, which isn't yeah. really cheap either. No. I mean, no. But, like, if you're going to do that, why, why not have professionals behind it? And, and my concern with the coaching aspect of it, knowing that they weren't necessarily, like, health professionals, mm-hmm. is knowing that growth and getting the right nutrients is so important at this stage. Um, sometimes, like, you know, when I get a client referred to me for concerns of maybe their weight is too much, one of the things I look for, because I work at a pediatrician's office, so I have it to, and I can go back and look through well-child reports, sure. is I look to see, in this last well-child check, did the pediatrician mark what tanner stage they're in? And for those that don't know, tanner stage is the stage of a development that a child is in when they're getting ready to go through puberty. Oh. So, like, that. tanner <laughs> ones and twos would be, like, you know, not really big, but like, you know, twos is when you may start to see some changes. Tanner five is when they've like completed puberty. Okay. So if I see that like a 12 year old girl is being referred to me for maybe having like a little bit of a weight gain and I look at the pediatrician's note and I see she's like a Tanner stage, you know, two to three and they think, you know, they've talked to the parents about she's probably going to be starting her period soon. I'm going to probably back off a little bit because I'm like, this could be a weight gain that's associated with her development. Right. I don't think these coaches have necessarily the background to be like, like walk through have you started that. your period yet? Like, you know, where for boys it would be a little bit different, but mm-hmm. they're not going to have the background or access to the records to know what stage of development they are, to know, right. is this weight gain normal for them? Right. Because that's really mm-hmm. important. I don't think that parents are really understanding that there is, there are, yes, there is the occasion, you know, when you do need to watch mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Of course, like not naive to that. Mm-hmm. And I know that that parents are worried. But then there's the other phase that like, it's okay if mm-hmm. our kids mm-hmm. are have phases where yeah. they don't visually look how you think mm-hmm. they should look. Because like typically moment. they might gain weight and then they'll grow lengthwise. Yes. And then they might gain weight and grow lengthwise. So... I don't, that's my concern is that these coaches don't have that knowledge yeah. to be able to provide individualized instruction based on that on child. On individual, yes. Mm-hmm. 
I, it's like anything in parenting. Mm-hmm. If somebody could give us a little snapshot forward <laughs> and just see like the outcome, I think yeah. we could all relax a little bit and go, okay, we're doing it right. You know? Yeah. Yes. Was there anything else, like any other bewares for you that were... I think we talked about the goals. And the other thing is, so like I said, I downloaded the app. And one of the things I wanted to see was if I put in measurements that would indicate a child that was a little on the underweight side, yes. could they still choose the goal of weight loss? Yes. And they could. And they can. So, like, if your child veers on being maybe, like, thinner. Right. You know, and it they could, you know, they could still have body image issues. They can still choose the goal of weight loss. Right. When that may not be appropriate for them. I couldn't find anything that would stop that from happening. Mm-hmm. So, to me, as a professional and as a parent, that yes. makes me very concerned. Yeah. Yeah. That they're watch outs. Mm-hmm. It almost needs a referral um, mm-hmm. link on yes. the app. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, it would be like, outs. you know, like, oh, well, based on the information we've got, weight loss is not a healthy goal for you. Mm-hmm. Like, you just have a flag or... Right. And then alert the parent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And alert the parent if the parent... Because I think... You can if come you, on as a parent to support your child. I saw a button. But if you're over it. 13, I think you can do it by yourself without a parent. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. 13 or 14. If you're over 13, you can do it by yourself without a parent. Right. And that's usually the age where you're going to see you know, really eating disorders come out. Right. So I feel like we might have ruffled some feathers or even have parents going, shoot, I am the one that like diets a lot. Mm -hmm. Or I am the, like, what's some of your consoling advice? Or like, Mm -hmm. hey, it's never too late type of thing. Like, how do you... How do you approach that? Well, I would say, first of all, it's not their fault. I mean, it's our culture. The health and wellness industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. And like with this app, I liken it to um, some another um, dietitian online. I think it was Rebecca Strickfield had said this is similar to like the cigarette industry. You know, using things like Joe Camel to get people hooked young. So you've got them as paying customers. Like, yeah. So this is hooking kids young. Yeah. So they are victims of the diet diet industry for the remainder of their life. And so if a parent is hooked on it, it's really not their fault. This is how our culture, our culture equates thinness with success. Our culture equates thinness with health. Um, if it's bothering you, and, there's, and by all means, parents can have the desire to better themselves. They can have the desire. It's not bad to want to lose weight. Right. But I would definitely watch how you're talking about it in front of your kids. Um, I would try to save any negative self-talk about yourself to happen in private. Have that happen with your partner. Mm -hmm. Discuss those feelings with your partner. Don't confide in your children. Don't talk about how many calories are in things in front of your children. Like, that is not... A, a battle that you need to bring your children into. I like that. Um, if you, like some parents, you know, maybe they're a part of a program where they're on a specific meal plan, I would try to make sure that the meal you have as a family can include most of the food groups. So, like, if you're on something that's low carb, I would maybe try to have your carbs with your kids so your kids don't Are see you overly see restricting. Mm-hmm. Because if your kids are school age, they a lot of times aren't going to see you eating lunch. So, you know, if you're on some specific plan, you can do that without affecting the rest of the family. I like that. But when you make dieting a family activity, mm-hmm. that's where it becomes dangerous. Okay. So, like, yes, change your words, <laughs> yes. watch your words around your kids, mm-hmm. and then as much as you can, you involve yourself how the family is also eating. Mm-hmm. 
so that yeah. you're not singled out on that. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I feel like I had more around that. Oh, I know. This was a question mm-hmm. I feel like that came up this summer. And let's say your child doesn't have the the beach body, mm-hmm. the bikini body. What are your thoughts on, I always feel like let them wear the mm-hmm. bikini, like make it, it, this should not be a thing, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. what are, what are your thoughts around like? Well, I think there's, if you got to look at it, like if your child was a teenager, would you allow them to wear that? Like, you know, like, is it, there's a difference between having it be like a two piece and then having it be something revealing. Like, yes. <laughs> I love this. Yes. <laughs> so bottom line, like if you're doing it from like a moral type. Yeah. yeah. Like if you don't want your child to have, to be revealing, then by all means put some, yeah, you know, standards, some standards around, around, it. around it and around a two piece. Like there's some two pieces that, you know, are, you know, a little revealing even for adults. Like mm-hmm. at times. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But if it's due to body image. If it's due to body image, then I would, you know, say if as long as everything is covered, mm-hmm. you know, like as far as it's cover adequate coverage, I would say don't I would let them be confident. Like yeah. because their confidence is gonna play much longer in the long run. And I mean, there's other things too. Like if your kid's on a swim team, a two-piece usually isn't the best, you know, like you can, a two-piece is not the most adequate if you're swimming laps and doing things like that. It all comes down to the why. Yeah, it all comes down to why do they want the two-piece? Is it because it's their favorite color? That's it. If it's because they're like, I want to look sexy, then that's a... An area yes. you need to explore a little bit, especially if they're young. Right. <laughs> You're so good with these answers. <laughs> so, it is because I think mm-hmm. people always go to like one, again, mm-hmm. always go to more of the weight. And you're like, yeah. hang on, this is like just parent talk in general. <laughs> well, I think that's uh, the other thing. Like people are like, well, I don't want to restrict my kids. And I'm like, well, what if your rules around food weren't about the food, but like, you know, Let's say families, a lot of times they're, they're, their big complaint is, well, they sneak food up to their bedroom. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, first of all, are they allowed to eat in their bedroom? Well, no, that's a rule of ours. I was like, well, you're punishing them because they broke the rule, not because they ate the food. Yes. Like, like there's a... Separate it. Separate it there. Or um, some families have what they call a kitchen closed rule. Because, you know, after you clean up from dinner, like, yeah. nobody really wants to, like, be cleaning the kitchen up again. again. Right. So if they're sneaking food and making a mess late at night that's not really about the food like you don't need to make it about the food you can make it about the fact the of you made a mess and you didn't clean it up like, right <laughs> yes and just really sticking yeah. to that, that and then is... that those kinds of things can prevent things like eating in private sneaking food you know like yes so you let them know like if you're hungry let us know mm-hmm. but you know or ask before you take because i explain this in my house all the time it's like I may say no, but that's not because I don't necessarily want you to have it. It may mean because I'm planning to use that and the dinner recipe for tomorrow night. (laughs) And if you eat that, we can't have that for dinner. (laughs) Right. But I think it's good that they know why, that it's not just a no. And I know we talked about this before too, Mm -hmm. but just in case this is a Mm -hmm. listener's first time with you and I, the whole like way too restricting, which was actually in my national eating disorders again, Mm -hmm. It said, in a large study of 14 to 15-year-olds, dieting was the most important predictor of developing an eating disorder. Those who dieted moderately were five times more likely to develop an eating disorder. And those who practiced extreme restriction were 18 times more likely to develop an eating disorder than those who did not. So let's pretend, though, that the kid's not the one 
providing the extreme restriction. Let's the, the parents. Let the parents, the one. And there's a lot of evidence to show that when you restrict the extremely palatable food, like the cookies, the candies, and stuff like that, it just makes them desire it more. more. And especially, and a lot of parents do this. You need to eat your vegetables before you can have your cookie. I know why they do that. They're doing that to eat their vegetables. Mm -hmm. But that act does not make them desire vegetables. Right. It's basically... Now it's a punishment to get to the... And it's basically... Because what what our goal should be is that kids can see a cake. They can eat it, be satisfied. You know, maybe at times they walk by because they're not hungry. And if we are constantly elevating cakes and cookies to be above the fruits and vegetables... Right. You're not you're making it to be like this gold prize at the end you're making a bigger deal out of it than what it needs to be sure yeah i like that so so and just to send everybody off with again like tangible (laughs) tools you had mentioned what fitness apps do you promote any form of app or tool i am getting like i know a lot of kids now are liking to watch like they get fitbits because they like it for the watch thing and they like to watch their steps and things like that but i would i'm not necessarily a big fan of it for Mm -hmm. young kids because a lot of the fitness apps out there they say this is not like the numbers on here are not appropriate for a child Mm -hmm. so um that's why I would caution against it. Okay. And the other thing I've noticed is that it seems like teenagers, they start on these apps. And because we have maybe made calories to seem like the bad thing, mm-hmm. they put in their numbers. And even though the equations aren't necessarily meant for a teenager that's right. still developing, they see what, oh, this app says I need this many calories. Right. Well, in their mind, they're like, well, if I eat less than that. I'm right. going to lose weight quicker. Yes. So recently I've seen a lot of kids that they're using these fitness apps and basically what it's reinforced, the closer the number is to zero, the better I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So that to me is is a danger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so you're more of a watch out with that. Yeah, like if I would watch out with the apps. Concerns with their kids, mm-hmm. your go-to things would be like, go first, what's like the line of defense? Come to your office. <laughs> it's my line well, of defense. I would say, Go see Amy. <laughs> if I mean the if the I would look for a pediatric dietitian. Yes. Um, and contact them first. Call them and find out what is your um, philosophy around dealing with kids that you're concerned about weight issues. Mm-hmm. You can go to eatrot.org and find a dietitian on there in That's case you're not in yes. the Cincinnati area. Wherever um, you are. Wherever you are, you should be able them. to find a specialist. Um, and you know, just kind of like do your homework. Talk to your pediatrician about it. Mm-hmm. I would even say if you're concerned about your child's weight and they have not weight raised concerns, if you talk to your pediatrician, I would maybe come up with an excuse for your child to not be in the room. I agree. I would do that one-on-one with the, pri- the primary care provider, not with the child in the room. Right. Um, and then, you know, really I think a lot of it is creating the environment that we – that will make our kids successful. Love it. So, like – And when I did my um, certification in pediatric weight management, they talked about a lot of it has to do with the environments we live in. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you you don't want your kids to be, like, eating cookies after school, it's not maybe that you wouldn't have the cookies available, but let's have the fruits and vegetables more readily so they're more readily visually available. If you don't want your kids to overindulge on ice cream and stuff like that, make sure you're not doing that. Sure. Like, you know, make sure you're not showing them, it's today's my cheat day, I'm having ice cream for every meal. That's just not, 
a right. healthy habit to be passing on to your kids. Yes. So um, those I'm would be- smiling because I know I'm like picturing my husband and I bringing Cheetos to the couch <laughs> and the kids are always like, me too. And I, it's one of those things I'm like, I know we should not be well, and, and sometimes I'll be that and I'll be like, and let's go get a bowl and we can each have yeah. our own serving. <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> but you can totally tell yeah, like yeah. where you're like, uh-oh. But I think a lot of it is, is like how our generation was raised we were like the rewarding with food has happened so frequently in society Mm -hmm. like I don't know if you I remember when I was in elementary school you got a free pizza for every book that you read like so like (laughs) right and then I remember vividly when I was going through Children's Hospital for my internship when I got to do their program with the kiddos their rewards they were so great about Having people, had the kids list out what mm-hmm. other rewards could look like. And yeah. the kids really struggled. Like, they needed a lot of help on mm-hmm. what another reward, because it did look like going out yeah. to dinner, going out to ice cream. Yeah, and sometimes it could be one-on-one time with the parent. Yeah. It might be... Um, going to a movie. Yeah, going to a movie. Or it could be maybe they want, like, a, some kind of fun magazine subscription. You know, like, yeah. maybe they really like sports, so Sports Illustrated for Kids. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe... Um, maybe if it's like a 12 to 13 year old girl that's just starting to investigate like wearing makeup, yes. maybe it's like, hey, you know, I'll teach you how to put blush on or something yes. like that. So, yes. and how important <laughs> it is to get the reward right when yeah. they, mm-hmm. and for us adults too, like make out that other mm-hmm. list of things that you actually care. Because our, and our, rewards, I'm just not talking about rewards for like losing weight. No, you know, no, this reward is that. Like, this is like if they do good in school, if they yes, do their chores, like, you know, if, yes. if a teacher complimented them. <laughs> yes. That it is a non-food. Yeah. Reward. Right. So then that doesn't teach them that every time I've done something good, I need to go get some food to reward myself. Right. Exactly. When those rewards will shift and change as they yeah. grow older. Mm-hmm. But all right, you rock. Thank, Thank you, you so much for this driving. This was fun. Oh, was so fun. <laughs> I, but there will be more of Amy to come. I'm going to keep pulling her on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. If this topic served any purpose for you, or you could picture that exact person that needed this, I am always honored when you share the episode. We are making 2019 the year we are going to just pour motivation and inspiration onto others. I also forever appreciate when you leave reviews on iTunes and rate the podcast. I send you off with all the praise and momentum you deserve for staying open to information and keeping an open mind to what your journey looks like now. Within a year, the next five years, slow and steady, all It's not instant gratification, and therefore, it's not always that exciting, but a much gentler and redeeming path that will serve you well throughout all of your years and for every season of life. I cannot wait to catch up next Friday. Cheers to health and happiness.